welcome to the podcast. Today, we're talking with one of my favorite humans, Emily Falver, mega influencer, top health and wellness coach. And we're going to hear her story of where she started, where she came from. You guys, it's going to leave you literally speechless. Um, And we're going to dig into how she overcame such a hard road to make her the success that she is today. So let's dig in. Let's get started. Um, I am so excited to have you on here. Um, You know, we go, I want to say we go way back, but we don't really go way back, but it feels like we go way back. How many years have we known each other? I don't know, but you and I kind of signed up around the same time, right? Yeah. Yeah. We became coaches at the same time. So that was what, 2015 for me. Yeah. It was 2000 end of 2014 for me. So, okay. you know, my story, I didn't really do much in the beginning. So yeah, no, I actually didn't either. Well, I didn't in 2014. It's funny. We, so we were both doing nothing in 2014 <laughs> and then we decided to get off of our butts and actually do something and pursue a dream. So we're both health and fitness coaches with Beachbody and we've kind of seen this like same we kind of had the same type of rise in coaching, just timeline wise. Like we both became top 10 coaches and all that stuff. And a lot, I mean, there really are a lot of parallels because our lives radically changed in a short amount of time, really. Yeah. Um, The thing that I love about, well, I just love you, period, and your family. Um, Truly, like there's always been just this deep connection, you know, and we'll get into kind of that. But what I want everybody to hear is like, if you were to, you know, be the title on the podcast, like Emily Favre, guest, you know, on episode, whatever, like who is Emily Favre? What would you say? I know that's a really hard question to answer probably, but how would you answer that? Oh man. I mean, I feel like such of my title these days is being a mom and that's the thing I'm most proud of, but I I just feel like my mission in life is to show people that you are not your past and you have the decision to, you know, make your future, whatever you want it to be. And that's just something I'm so passionate about Mm -hmm. is where you come from is not who you are. Amen, sister. Like, I, I feel like that mission in your heart is so aligned with my mission in my heart. And that's one of the reasons we connect on such a deep level. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And here's the cool thing. We were, we were in Miami a couple of weeks ago together, which was super fun. And I got to, I've known your story, but kind of like, you know, almost like the, the social media story. Not that, the, not that that's not like, it's totally you and real and authentic, but like just meaning snippets. Like I felt like I knew your story, but when we were in Miami, I got to know your story and like, gosh, such a more granular, like deeper, real level. And it's so damn powerful who you have become, just like you said, who you've become, and where you came from, which is so insane because this podcast, you know, is called Low Bottom High Rise. Mm -hmm. And it's like, it's your story. And so, yes, you are this mega influencer on Instagram and TikTok and all the things right now, right? So how many followers do you have on TikTok and Instagram? Um, Instagram, I think it's like 260,000. And then TikTok, 2.8 2.8 million. So 2.8 million. That's insane. I That's know. Insane. <laughs> I, I don't oh my understand gosh. it, but <laughs> yeah. well, I totally understand it. I totally understand it because your story is so powerful. You are so incredibly 
lovable and just authentic and real. And the way that you create content too on social media, like you're a master at it. You are a genius and you've, you've just figured out how to do that, which I think is so cool. So let's do a little snapshot of life right now. Where do you live? Married? Do you have kids? <laughs> All of that. I live in Warrensburg, Missouri. It's a small town about an hour from Kansas City. And a lot of people probably have never heard of it, but it's in the middle of nowhere, but we ended up actually really loving it because we love the people we're with. And uh, my husband's in the military. That's the only reason that we're, we're stuck in the middle of nowhere. <laughs> um, I am married to my high school sweetheart. We've been together for like 12 years now, maybe 13, can't remember, since we were 16. And we have our daughter, Ella, who's almost three, and she's just the light of our lives. I love it. She's the light of many people's lives. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I love that. And Ella is such a big part of your, I I don't even want to say brand because that seems weird, but she's such a huge part of just like, you said she's the light of your life. And so it comes through and she obviously comes through on your social media, which is such a huge part of your social and such a huge part of um, just, I think why you have such a big audience because they're all just as much in love with Ella. So let's go back. Let's go back to the beginning. Like when you say, you know, you can change the future and you're not your past. What is that past? Where, where did Emily Falver start? I, I know you've probably told this story, but I also know what it's like to tell a story like this. So I know it can be a little emotional, but um, take us back to the beginning. Oh my gosh. Well, I mean, it, it never even, I mean, it didn't start as Emily Faber. I mean, it didn't even start as Emily. A lot of people don't know this about me, but I was actually born as my name was Lacey and it's Lacey Peterson actually. And so I was born to two parents that, had really bad addictions. My mom um, actually did drugs when she was pregnant with all of us, all of my siblings. And so I was born when they, the day I was born, they tested me and I tested positive for meth. And my sister, who I'm very close with, my biological sister, she was born positive for meth and PCP. And I mean, and I also had fetal alcohol syndrome Um, but I mean, so did my other siblings and I can go more into that, you know, how that affected them. So life was like challenging from literally the day that I was born. And I, my, what I'm told from the parents that adopted me and, you know, just past conversations is that they expected me to struggle a lot. You know, they were like, her life will not be normal. She's going to struggle. She's going to have learning disabilities, all of those things. And, um, for some reason, I got to stay with those parents for about almost two years, I think it was. And there was a the lot parents, of parents. Let me clarify that. So when you say stay with those parents, you're talking about the parents that you were your birth mom. Yeah. Drug addicted. Yeah. Crazy life. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Something you should have probably t- been taken out of immediately, but you yeah. were with them for the first two years. And I think that's the assumption that people have is they hear adoption. I mean, this is what I've noticed is that people are like, Oh, like, so from birth. And it's like, no, no, no. Like there's a lot that happened before that. And, um, you know, when you hear my story, you know, how I started, you would think that I would have been taken at birth, but I wasn't my, I was told that they just never wanted to take kids from their parents that young. Mm. So they wanted to give them yeah. another kids because they promised to get help is what I was told. So with that, there was a lot of neglect and they really didn't get help. 
And when I was about one and a half, my sister was two. I'm going to keep talking about my sister. Her name's Brittany. She's the one I'm closest to. We had six siblings, but she's the one that I'm closest to. And six total. Yeah. So like Brittany and I were closest in age and we yeah. hold that we were the, bio, we, we were biological. So like full blood. Full. So yeah. They didn't want to separate us. They wanted to keep us together. So anyways, one day Brittany and I were left home with, she, I was one and a half, she was two and like two and a half. And I think our sister Marissa was supposed to be watching us and she was a teenager at the time. And the neighbors called the cops because they saw Marissa leave and they showed up and Brittany and I were alone and like dirty diapers. I mean, I still have the court paperwork that explains what it looked like when the cops showed up. Wow. To me, it kind of was like a movie. It's like the cops came in, we were left alone. We had a bed, we weren't clothed. Like we were just like, I cannot imagine. And this is why I'm going to go back and forth, but like, this is why Ella's age affects me so much because I just cannot imagine just leaving her alone or like, but I, you and I have had this conversation. Like I have to remember, she just wasn't in her right mind with like the drugs. Right. Like my dad was highly addicted to like alcohol and stuff. And so it just really gets to me. Cause I'm like, how could you do I that? I can't imagine. Yeah. I can't imagine like Ella's getting ready to turn three and like probably every day of her life, you've looked at her and thought back on your own life at that time. I mean, yeah, I like, can't. She cries in her crib. Like I get her immediately. Like I cannot yeah. let her for one second feel like I don't care about her. And, yeah. um, I know a lot of the way I parent is, or the way I react when she does certain things is because of, you know, when I was younger, which I never thought would affect me. But I mean, even when she was a newborn, like I could not let her cry. And Dylan's like, Emily, she's a, mm. she's a newborn. It's okay. And I'm like, it's not okay. Like until yeah. still to this day, like I cannot let her, you know, have a meltdown. I can, you know, it's just affected me. So anyways, they came and took us away. Mm put us in foster homes immediately. Again, they didn't want Brittany and I to be separated. So they put us in first foster home together. And I think it was that one that they loved me, but hated Brittany. And mm. the second foster home, it was the opposite. They hated me. And so with that hate came also a lot of abuse, which a lot of people don't realize happens in foster homes. The most abuse yeah. gotten was from our foster homes. And I mean, can I clarify? Can I ask if you don't mind me asking? Is that like verbal, physical, sexual, all of the above? Yeah. Yeah. So, wow. We, I don't remember a lot. So, this is a lot that I'm told. My sister Brittany remembers everything. But, you know, Mm -hmm. I I remember her specifically, like she had a lot of meltdowns and temper tantrums. She dealt with a lot of anger. And, like, one of our foster parents would slam her head into the concrete. Oh. Yeah, God. I know it still gets to me. And I'm sure yeah. you witnessed some of that and probably like repressed the memories, you know? Yeah, I was so, she's older than me, but I was so protective of her. And I mean, I still am. Like, she'll even tell you, like, you took care of me our whole lives. Like, I, and I still have that heaviness and like that feeling of responsibility to this day. And we're 30 and 31, you know? Like, wow crazy to me. And then we also were in the homes with other kids. So that's where I think the sexual abuse came in. And it was just, I mean, it was so bad that we got taken from, I think it was the second home and our foster dad drove his truck off a cliff because 
he was so guilty. Oh my God. And obviously, I mean, committed suicide. Yeah. Didn't live through that. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And, and you're how old at that point? We were probably like two and three. Wow. Yeah. And that's the second home. So where do you go from there? Another home? Yeah. So the third home we went to together as well. And that was the home that actually adopted me, but I wasn't adopted till I was eight. The process took a long time. They kept trying to, you know, help Brittany, but Brittany deep down thought that our parents were coming back for her because Mm -hmm. they would tell her that they were like, cause she would still get to talk to them. And so she would basically, I mean, she'll tell you to this day. She's like, I didn't want to be adopted. Like I wanted my mom. And so she would act out. She would get very angry and violent and mm. uh, so like they would take her back and put her in a group home. And then my parents, like in California, so we had moved up to Oregon at this time. And then my parents that were adopting me, they were like, well, let's try again. So then they would go down to California and get her again, bring her back up. And they did that a few times and it just never worked. So Brittany was actually in the system until she was 18 years old. And wow. when, yeah, when you age out of the system, they basically just throw you on the streets. And so once again, when she turned 18, my parents that adopted me went down to California and got her and brought her back up to Oregon. So she's part of the family. Like we don't see her as anything different. My family has accepted her as their sister, their kid, you know, it's just, she just was never adopted. Yeah. Wow. So all those years that you were with the family that's adopted you, your, which you call your mom and dad now, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. Did you, I'm just like, I can't even fathom like how I, I, I want to say the only word that's coming to my mind. And I know you'll take this with the greatest thought, like messed up, you know, like how, how messed up in your heart and your mind and your just everything coming from that background, this, you as this little child must be like, did they, did you do therapy back then? I mean, was there a lot of work to process through it? Cause I look at you today and I'm like, I feel like you've just, you have navigated this and come out the other side so incredibly normal. You know, if the if the only way this is really showing up is you like grabbing Ella and not being able to have her have a temper tantrum, that's extremely normal yeah. compared to your brothers and sisters, compared to what most people in that situation would come out the other end. So what, do you feel like you did the work? I mean, yeah, my parents that adopted me, they put me through a lot of therapy, obviously. And I, I mean, even like speech therapy, like I could not talk Mm. because there were so many like developmental delays. And I mean, I remember all the therapy and I I still feel like I need it to this day. I actually (laughs) have my to-do list. I'm like, let's go back because I'm such a big believer in therapy. I'm like, I don't care what you've been through. It's always a good idea. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And, but I, I don't know. I remember at a very young age, just being like, I will not be a statistic. I will mm-hmm. not be what everyone expects me to be. And I mean, even going through high school, I had a hard time. I still got good grades, but it's because I worked so hard, but it was not easy for me at all. Going through college was not easy for me at all. And, you know, you mentioned my brothers and sisters and they weren't as lucky. I, have never really even shared this publicly, but my, one of my sisters was born dead without a brain because Mm -hmm. of the drugs that my mom did. I had Mm -hmm. another sister who was 
she died at 15 of a brain tumor, but she was born with water on the brain. So she actually never grew. So she was really short at 15 years old Mm. and ended up passing away because of the brain tumor. And then I have a brother who um, just had some mental disabilities and, you know, just, you know, they all had extensive learning disabilities and, yeah, you know, and so I hate to say luck, but I feel very lucky and Mm. I just don't know why. I mean, some days I'm like, okay, yeah. but then some days it makes sense because this is just the story I'm supposed to tell, you know? Right. I would almost, and I, I know we share some, you know, dare I say spiritual beliefs. Like I would say grace versus luck. But then the hard thing comes because I have this too. You know, I have a sister that died of alcoholism and I'm a recovering alcoholic. So then you're like, I feel like it was God's grace on my life, but like, how could he not give them grace? Like that's where it gets kind of confusing, you know? Yeah. Um, But I also go back to what you just said earlier about how from a young age, you always had something inside of you that said, I'm not going to be the statistic. Like, like that. Um, I remember being in one of my first AA meetings and like sitting in a circle of like, I don't know, 30 people. And somebody said, you know, statistically, one of you will be here 10 years from now. And I was like, what? Like, I thought everybody got sober when they decided they were ready to get sober. And I remember feeling that too, like this conviction of like, I will be the one, you know, I, I am going to be the one that makes it. And I don't know where that comes from. I don't know if that's God given. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Or we're just really hard headed. <laughs> but I, yes, but I, I, funny, I remember it like at a very young age, like feeling like that, just like, nope, I'm not going to do what everyone else tells. Me. And I mean, still to this day, like someone will tell me something's impossible and I'm like, well, now I got to do it. And yeah, like, so like one of my favorite stories to tell is when the first day um, well, when I decided I want to go to college, my parents sat me down. They're like, we can't help you. And at the time I was only 17 and that's what I left for college. And I was like, well, now I have to, because you said, you know, yeah. you're going to make it harder by not being able to afford it for, you know, for me. And I sat down with, you might remember this from summit. Cause I told it at summit, but I sat down with my advisor with call it for college. And he's like, so what's your goal? And I was like, I want to graduate in four years and leave debt free. And he was like, well, that's highly impossible. <laughs> and I was Not like, for Emily Favre, right? Yeah, and I left and I was like, well, now I got to do it. Like I was like kind of toying with the idea, but now I really have to leave because you just told me it was impossible. And I did, you know? So it's just so weird. I, I wish I knew where it came from, but I... Yeah. But it goes back to like what I really believe so wholeheartedly. I mean, it's just like my life belief system. It's like when you cultivate a mindset and a belief system that tells you like, that you just believe you're not going to be the statistic. You believe that you can graduate from college and do it debt-free. You believe that you can become a top coach. You can believe like we get what we believe. We don't get what we want. Like there's a lot of people that want to graduate debt-free. There's a lot of people that want to be top coaches, but underneath that desire is like this fear and insecurity. And, and we have that, right? You and I absolutely have those fears and insecurities, But the thing that runs deep is like underneath even that fear and insecurity, you're like, yeah, but watch me because I'm going to do it. (laughs) You know, there's like, Mm -hmm. there's just this deep seated belief. And I don't, I don't know where that comes from either. Like you said, I mean, I am like the hardest headed, like, you know, 
tell me it's not possible and watch me. So yeah. there's there's definitely a similar personality thread there too. Um, so, okay. So you went to college, you graduate debt-free. Yeah. Dylan, your husband is along on this journey the whole time, right? Because you said you're high school sweethearts. Yeah, that was, that was actually a crazy story because we met when we were 16 and we were already making our plans for college. And we had decided we were going to separate colleges. So my goal was to go to University of Oregon because I wanted to get into journalism. And then he was going to go to the academy, the Air Force Academy to wrestle for them. And the same week, so it was like one week until I could, you know, the deadline. My mom's like, I think you should apply for another school. And I was like, mom, I'm going to get in the UFO. I'm not even going to try to, you know, get another school. She's like, you should do it. So I applied for Oregon State. The same week I got denied at Oregon State. I mean, sorry. University of Oregon, Dylan got a full ride at Oregon State. So my only other option was Oregon State and he just got a full ride. So he was like, why wouldn't I stay close to family? Because it was like three hours from our home. And, you know, because I don't know if you know anything about the Air Force Academy, but you don't really have a life. (laughs) So um, I know that because of you. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So it was crazy that we both got that news in the same week. And um, yeah, we ended up going to college together and Wow. Together too. Yeah. Chills. I got chills from like head to toe when you said that about like randomly applying at the last second. That's just crazy, but not crazy because you and I both know that's like, that's how life unfolds for you if you're open to it, you know? I totally believe everything happens for a reason. And it's one of the, the to me, when people are like, I'm so sorry for everything you've been through. And I'm like, don't be like, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. Yes, days I get sad and, you know, deal with like past trauma, but I just know this is, I mean, I could have been adopted by, you know, a couple other people and I ended up here. What are the chances? This is exactly where I'm meant to But be. again, I mean, like, this is so crazy because there's, even if you got adopted by those, those amazing people and like, there are probably nine out of 10 people that would have been in your situation that would think like, still hold on to the story of like, poor me, poor me, I'm a victim, I'm a victim, I'm a victim. And again, I think that's the similar, like when people are like, how do these, I don't even want to say broken people. And I'm talking, I'm putting you and I in that same boat, but like these people that come from these really hard paths, like how do they end up having these amazing futures? And I think it's because we decide like re- we decide that that was a gift. Yeah. We decide that we wouldn't change anything. Mm-hmm. Like we decide that we would never be who we are today without all of that awful past. And if you're just kind of stuck in that victimization, you you let that define you instead, okay. you know? Yeah, absolutely. If you're looking for some more in-depth training on mindset practices and how to create your vision, how to reverse engineer your goals, how to craft your morning process, all of the things that I'm super passionate about, you guys, the Rise Up course is where it's at. It is literally my lifetime, my mind in a course Every single tip, strategy, and hack that you could possibly ask me about is in this course. So jump into the show notes right below and you'll see the link for the Rise Up course and my Rise Up planner and you guys can rise up with us. I hate to cut it short, but you'll have to join us next time for the conclusion of Emily's incredible story. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and leave us a review if you love the show. Thanks everybody.